0: Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. As always, we want to give a special shout out to our season two sponsor, Accurix. That's A-C-C-U-R-I-C-S. Accurix is a infrastructure as code security company, which helps codify security for your cloud native infrastructure by codifying security throughout the development lifecycle. They also manage the popular open source IAC project, Terascan. Visit them at accurix.com for more.
1: Thank you for joining us on the Resilient Cyber Podcast. My name is Chris Hughes, along with my co-host, Dr. Nikki Robinson.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: Today, we're joined by John Guckian from IBM. John, thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Definitely. We're excited to chat. And for folks that don't know you or your background, do you mind telling us a bit about your background and area of expertise? Yeah, sure. So
2: I currently am um, cybersecurity remediation SME here at IBM. I've been with the company for going on five five plus years now, so it's been been some time. And I started off my career in as a sysadmin, so I tried to build my technical background and then joined IBM as a cyber engineer worked my way through to become an architect and you know here we are today
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's great to get a chance to talk with you and we're going to be diving into like a bunch of different topics but we're also going to talk about EDR so could you sort of give us like a little bit of an idea of sort of what EDR is what does it look like right now and sort of where you think it's it's going in the industry
2: Yeah, absolutely. So EDR is one of my favorite topics to talk about. It's it's an area that I really focus on a lot over the past couple of years. So when you think of EDR, people don't think of it more just like a next generation antivirus or something like that, but it really is different. So when you think of next generation antivirus, that's more just like taking an approved or deny list of, you know, known malware or known, you know, signatures or something like that, that It's looking for and just going to block it or it's going to allow it or something like that. It's it's not really any smart capabilities to it. You know, you could update that. It's pulling off of the latest, you know, industry lists and stuff like that. The vendors just keep pushing the updates. But EDR is applying that behavioral analytics to it. And you're really able to start getting into the weeds of what's happening on the system. And EDR will detect something like, hmm. Microsoft Excel is calling out to the internet and trying to drag a ginormous file down to to the machine. Normally it's probably not supposed to be doing that, right? And it'll quarantine that process, kill the process or you can have it quarantine the device itself if it actually triggered So depending on how you have it set up, you can go into very very depending on the vendor, I guess also you can go into serious configurations <laughs> with, uh, with these tools. And that's why it's so powerful because you can apply that behavioral analytics to other tools too, within, you know, that you have deployed within the organization. So I know a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, companies use a SIM, right. And it's kind of just like a landing point for all of their ingestion sources. And EDR is definitely one of them. And, The industry today, you know, is still pretty much adopting the SIM. Like as we go towards cloud, you know, and we should be here by now, but we're we're still not, as we all know. And companies are still adopting the EDR feeding into the SIM is definitely something that people are looking towards to do still to get visibility across multiple layers of sources and really understand what's been happening within the environment. So if an alert gets triggered in EDR, they can say, hmm, did my 0365, you know, ID trigger an alert also, or did my network firewall also trigger an alert? They can take those, you know, data points, correlate them and really get a better picture of what that attacker was trying to do. So I'm going to, I would definitely say I see the industry leading, you know, catching up still at the same time. And then for more mature organizations, probably even stepping away from the SIM because these EDR consoles are becoming super powerful and they can do multiple you know, different layers now as all these vendors improve different features. So I can totally also see the SIM dying eventually.
0: Yeah, I think there's, a, there's certainly a lot of capability. And just for anyone that's not sure what EDR stands for, it's endpoint detection and response. So Can you give us, uh, you spoke a little bit about it, but can you give us a little bit more information on sort of the differences between a typical like AV deployment, like an AV client versus something that's uh, EDR based?
2: Yeah, sure. So when you think of AV, it's really just looking for, you know, known signatures or known um, hashes, you know, something like that. And it's going to either, if it finds it on the machine, it's going to block it and not allow it to run. or download right if it's something that is found before within the industry so that's when you're going to be really having av effective and edr is going to take it to the next level entirely so it's not only taking that approved and deny type lists that is known out into the industry this is where your zero days when they come in it's going to look for this type of behavior of whatever the process or the program that is trying to run um what is it doing and it looks for patterns and it's going to try to determine if it's an approved action or not or an approved behavior that that process or program is trying to do. And I always give that example of, of Excel, right? Because Excel is just, you know, a, a tool that we would use on a day to day for spreadsheets, right? Or something like that. And I know you can apply a lot of next level like scripting into it to, to run macros and stuff like that. But. Normally, if you're, you know, you might not use Excel to go and pull down, you know, updates for a program, right? So, depending on what the nature of the tool is, that's what EDR is going to start looking for. It applies this machine learning um, behavioral patterns that's, you know, from all once you deploy it, it's collecting all this data, right? So the companies are improving their machine learning constantly because they're getting like what their baseline of all these applications and programs are. And that way they're able to know, hmm, this is a steady state. This is an anomaly. Let's flag this anomaly. It's worth putting eyes on glass to see it. And if it, and once, you know, a sock responder, for example, comes in and they see that this is an anomaly, you know, they could take it, flag an incident or, you know, kill the process and see if it comes back or something, or maybe it's just going to quarantine it. Like maybe you want to really kill that process and EDR will take that action for you. You can tune it to do that.
0: Yeah. I think one of my favorite examples of sort of like typical AV versus EDR is similar to what you're talking about, but like a Word document that spawns PowerShell, because I've I've certainly seen that before, and uh, EDR is great at detecting that. And that's like, hey, Word should not be spawning PowerShell. You should look at that. Right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. And one thing I wanted to ask you, John, as well, is like you talked about, you know, the EDR, you know, and you gave a good context, like uh, and the distinction between like AV and, and EDR and how it's like contextually based. And it gives that insight. I wanted to ask as far as like the push for zero trust, you know, we're seeing uh, guidance coming out now from the White House and CISA and other agencies and things like that in the federal domain. It seems to be a real big push. Uh, what role do you think EDR plays in the push for zero trust? Yeah, it's really cool that you actually asked that because when you think of zero trust,
2: you know, it's better to deploy zero trust from the beginning, right? Like when you have like a fresh environment, it's starting to, you know, you can just deny everything and then approve only certain actions. And or certain roles for users or something like that, right? But most of these organizations are not going to start over, right? And that's going to be the challenge for applying zero trust. So you have to go and restructure all of your configurations, you know, all of your rules and your policy and stuff like that. So at from an EDR standpoint, you know, you can totally just deploy EDR into your environment and start scraping all this data and just getting an understanding of what your environment looks like because... If you want to apply zero trust, you can use that to say, all right, this is my baseline and this is where I am today. This is where I want to be. And then you can start making changes to your environment from there. And that's really what antivirus was not going to do for you, right? Like you're not going to collect all that data. You're actually sitting, you know, collecting system level data at this point. It's ingesting it and you can use it to build rules for zero trust itself.
0: Yeah, I think there's uh, there's certainly a lot of capability there outside of just, you know, sort of what it says, intrusion detection response. It's, it's got layers to it. So how do you sort of start with for organizations that are considering, you know, hey, we've got AV, but we want to sort of step it up. Uh, we want to mature our program. So h- how do you actually integrate EDR into your environment? And then you mentioned a little bit about how you feel about EDR and SIM integration, but if you could talk about how, uh, how that would work in, in an organization.
2: Yeah, sure. So, when you're making the jump, it it's really you know, you're you're taking one thing off and just replacing it. It's it's almost a direct replacement. So, depending on your maturity model, I know a lot of organizations are still working on their security you know, their security program overall. So taking it back before you even get to antivirus, right? What is the organization trying to accomplish? So you build your policies, you have to understand what you need to be compliant with, like regulation standpoint, right? And based off of that, will help you build your policy controls. And, you know, some organizations might not have to adhere to anything, right? They're just like a mom and pop shop who's just trying to maintain, you know, normal normal operations right and you know yes security is important and they don't want to get compromised so i can see a lot of those organizations outsourcing a lot of this stuff and they might not bring in EDR you know if they might outsource the risk to you know azure or aws or something like that right who maintains that underlying infrastructure for them but for an organization who's larger or is more like independent and they have their own security program I can totally see that once they build their controls and they know what they need to adhere to, antivirus is not going to be compliant with those majority of those controls. You're going to need that next level EDR type tools in order to start looking for that. And that's what I see the big difference is going to um, end up being. But when you said about the SIM, so you're taking all these different log sources and pointing them to one place. You know, that's only as good as you maintain it. And that's where a lot of problems with the SIM are is you're ingesting all of this data. So if you you look at the network layer, for example, there is so much noise on the network layer. You have to put a lot of legwork in to understand what that data really is. And you have to know what rules to apply in order to, you know, even get a starting point, right? So are you looking for ingress data, egress data? You know, what is that? What is my baseline even look like? And that's a big challenge for the majority of organizations right now in the industry that I see, you know, is ingesting that network aspect. But from an EDR standpoint, you're talking about the system level right now. So you can, you know, it's been around long enough at this point where, you know, a lot of these big vendors have a pretty good understanding of what baseline looks like. So they're able to help you make the transition and start giving you guidance on, what rules to apply and you can have it in detect mode only right you don't have to put on prevent mode so if you're just collecting and you know you want to get alerts and potentially quarantine a device you know you can set your incident response like escalation process to okay here's my tier 1 i'm outsourcing my sock tier 1 they're the eyes on glass and then you don't want them to ever take action. No problem. Send them to the, the internal company's level one, which would really be level two in the incident response, you know, process and that, and then those are the system administrators and stuff like that. And they might look at the SIM to get the initial alerts, but they're going to need to go back to the EDR console to get the core of what really happened. Right. Because as you send data different places, you lose data. And that's where a lot of, Why I also don't like the sim because you're only looking for certain aspects and sending certain aspects into the sim, but you might need that full visibility picture. And that's why the EDR tools themselves are becoming much more powerful. You can see the process tree. You can see what triggered. You can see what that process did, who it reached out to, what IP address. You know, you're getting so much more information within these EDR tools today. And it's almost no need to send it to the sim. The sim actually becomes annoying right like it's just like a, a backlog like a roadblock and you know you don't want to write rules in there you'd rather spend your efforts writing rules in the edR consoles today and that's where I really see as vendors improve and bring on these more features I really see it just focusing on there because Who wants multiple panes of glass, right? You're going to end up, you know, if you're think about in the eyes of a SOC responder, they're sitting in their job all day, right? Their eyes on glass. They got like 40 different screens up already, right? And how do we make it easier for them? And that's what the big challenge is going to be for the vendors. And I, I see it already. They're hearing the feedback. They want, you know, a nice single pane of glass with reporting. And a Sim tried to do that, but. It did not also work at the same time because of maintenance and overhead, right? And as IT changes so much. So if you can get a SaaS product, like an EDR SaaS product where you just deploy the agent, right? You don't maintain anything. Let the vendor do all that. Like let them update the rules. Like that's what you're paying for for. It. And it's probably a lot more expensive, right? But you know what? You're outsourcing that risk. And you're introducing a good, powerful product to your organization to, you know, ultimately allow you to be compliant
1: with whatever you have to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Another thing I wanted to ask you about too is like we've seen over the last couple of years a major boon in terms of uh, remote work and work from home and BYOD and all that kind of stuff. How do you think EDR plays into that space? At, you know, now knowing that there's like a, a massive sprawl in terms of endpoints at this point.
2: Yeah. So good question. When when I think of work from home, the one thing that comes for me is what kind of device are these users, like are these employees, are they contractors, or what are they? And for each of those types of you know workers, they're going to have different compliance levels. Like you can't enforce something on a contractor per se if it's not in the contract, that you can the same way as an employee. So one of the big challenges that I'm seeing right now is how do you maintain personal devices? So if you, de- uh, and EDR is, due to the nature, collecting all this data, right? And people don't wanna put that on their personal devices. And unfortunately, if you have a good security policy, you know, those contractors that you're going to have to tell them up front, hey, if you're going to use a personal device for work purposes, you got to put these security controls on there because our organization is, is not going to be responsible for your device being compromised. And if you have company data on your personal device, then you're going to have to follow what our company says in order to do it. Or here, here's a work issued device. It has all the controls on it already just use this and don't send data. And the, the company would need to put controls in place to make sure that data doesn't get sent outside the organization to that personal device. And another good example was mobile devices, right? So how do you maintain mobile device security from from this? And different vendors are coming up with, you know, not necessarily EDR for mobile devices, but configuration management tools. And you can apply rules to them and you could, you know, set device level encryption and stuff like that. But when it's work from home, you know, you're on a totally separate network. You're going to have to connect into the corporate infrastructure from your home office or wherever you are. You can be at Starbucks. You can be at, you know, anywhere. It doesn't really matter. You're on I call it a third-party network that's not corporate infrastructure. So if you're ever going to connect, you have to be connecting and your organization needs to be putting all your, you know, applications and all your systems, you know, behind the company network and allow a VPN access only, for example, and put two FA on it and and all that great stuff, right? But you don't really want to have just willy-nilly, you know, employees, contractors, or any users overall connecting to the corporate infrastructure without it being secure.
0: Yeah, I think those those are really good points, and especially considering the majorly large telework environments that, we, that we've we had the last couple of years. So to take it sort of a layer uh, deeper, when we're talking about DLP, data loss prevention, I don't hear it talked a lot about uh, DLP software, I hear it sometimes talked about, but can you talk about how that really relates to EDR, sort of what it is, and maybe even why it's kind of important to consider? So the cool
2: thing about DLP is you have to actually classify and do something to these documents, right? In order for DLP to pretty much work. So there's like, let's take office, for example, you can add a feature that classifies your your documents and it'll tell you here, this is confidential. Don't send, you know, only send this internally, you could send it to certain people, right? And you can write those rules on those documents. But when you talk about EDR, you can have EDR look for the nature of Office 365 or these types of applications. But that is where a benefit of the SIM would actually come into because you're sending, you know, your DLP logs to the SIM. You're sending your EDR to the SIM. So that way you can get that visibility to know, Hey, this document was sent outside the organization. From DLP, you got that alert, and you could also say, okay, this user's machine, same user that the de- that the file came from, to go outside, he it flagged, you know, a piece of malware on the device, and then that way you could correlate and say, hmm, that machine got compromised, possibly. Let's investigate the machine. Was the was it actually the user who sent that document outside the organization? So you can really get that that visibility that way, and that's one of the benefits of the SIM, which is. If EDR could start doing that, like next level stuff, I would say that that's ultimately the best case scenario at that point. You know, you're having one single pane of glass for all of this visibility.
1: Uh, one thing I want to ask you too, as well, is like, you know, when, when you speak of EDR, you spoke about like the architecture and other aspects of it, you know, people tend to talk about EDR in the context of endpoints, like user endpoints, for example, uh, you're speaking about it. And in, in, at least it seems to me like in a broader context around, you know, organizational architecture, other aspects of the architecture that could be giving you telemetry and stuff to make decisions. And I've often heard that referred to as XDR, you know, right. Uh, extended EDR, for example, you know, how do you distinguish between EDR and XDR? And like, do you think those tend to get mixed up sometimes in the way people use them? Yeah, so like then you can also throw in MDR, right?
2: There's all these acronyms, you know, in my opinion, it, it, acronyms are just acronyms. What at the end of the day, you have your organization and you need to do what's right for your organization. Call it whatever you want. If you want a tool that you can deploy on your system to look for behavioral analytics, you're going to deploy a tool that does that. If you want a tool that looks for an approved deny list, you're going to find a tool that does that. If you want something that will help you get visibility across multiple log streams and sources, you know, you're going to go find something that meets that, you know, risk that you're trying to solve for. It, it at the end of the day, the business, if you have the business team and the IT security and, you know, IT all coexisting with one another, you can then build your policy and understand your compliance efforts, you know, build those all together because a good compliance program does that. And that's one of the areas where I've also focused on for the last couple of years is building a compliance program, building your governance program, your risk program, you know, there's all these acronyms out there, right? Ultimately they all do something different, but towards the similar initiative, right? You're trying to protect the organization and, Whatever tier you're trying to solve for, it doesn't really matter what tool you bring in. It matters what's your policy control. And if that tool meets that policy control, then you're good. And if it doesn't, then you have a gap and you need to figure out how to reduce that gap.
1: Yeah, I like the uh, distinction of kind of focusing on what the outcome you're trying to achieve is versus getting caught up in kind of the buzzword bingo that our our industry you know tends to tends to be sometimes. Uh, so I wanted to ask for folks you know are looking to cut through some of the noise and learn a bit more about the topic of EDR, XDR, MDR, etc. You know, do you have any recommendations of resources that are good for people to start with? Yeah, great question. Go play
2: with it. <laughs> you know, all of these vendors out there actually give you 30 day trials. Let it download for a couple systems. There's nothing better than going to one of these vendors and downloading something on a virtual machine or something like that and getting the experience of what it does. The first time that you run a script on there and it quarantines that machine and it breaks down, you're like, oh no, what happened? You get all excited, right? Like you're starting to play with it and you see what really could happen, but it's just so powerful. Like, just like when I was, when I'm deploying this in the organization, I have, you know, some teams might have a lot of pushback and they might be like, oh, I don't, I have, Change management in place today, and I can't have it do this at the wrong time or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I totally understand that. Let's put it in detect mode first, so you can understand the baseline of your environment. If you don't have visibility into that, you can't tell me that you can't put change management in place around that, right? So you have to you have to give them the visibility first. So it's building the relationship with them, having understand, you know, what you're trying to achieve with bringing these tools in. It's not so much forcing it on them. It's more, look, we're trying to help you. If your application gets compromised, you're going down, right? Like you're going to lose customer data. You're going to pay fines, all that type of stuff, you know, possibly. So if you put this on there and we can mitigate that risk or at least reduce the risk exposure, you know. That's going to significantly, you know, help you and the rest of the organization. So it's a partnership that you want to build. But for anybody who's just starting out, here's an agent, go deploy it and go, you know, go crazy with it.
0: Yeah, I think that sometimes that's the best advice. And especially for like technical people like us, like we want to understand how it works. And it's just like, yeah, just set it up and play with it and see what happens. I I like that too. So that's going to take us to our last question and very curious about your perspective based on, you know, sort of your experience with EDR. What does cyber resiliency mean to you?
2: So cyber resiliency, good question. I'm going to answer that a little differently, to be honest, because when I think of that, I'm thinking is my organization doing what it needs to do to be compliant with the what I have to be compliant with whatever that regulation is. If I can do that and achieve a program that meets those requirements, that's a really good starting point. Taking it to the next level is where that cyber resiliency and all that other stuff comes into, right? And you know, first your business is doing the right thing and two am I able to get the, you know, the visibility and the maturity model that I'm looking for based off of all these really hard restrictions and controls. So if you can build a program that puts system level monitoring, that puts network level monitoring, that puts, you know, account monitoring, all these different layers, you know, you're covering your basics, you're covering, you know, all your different domains, because IT is not a single model, right? It's the whole OSI model and you have the entire let each layer, you can put multiple different security controls in place there. So like for anybody who's starting out also going back to that really quick, the CISSP covers seven, seven or eight domains of cyber, right? You can spend your whole life in one of those domains and there's just so big, right? And when I, whenever I'm mentoring any students or anything like that, I tell them like, you don't have to go take the CISSP, just understand what those domains are. Right, get your basics and your and and just start learning your footprinting. Right, and you can then try, start figuring out what do you like to do, and that that makes the big difference because from a cyber resiliency program, your employees, your people, like have to be happy, right? Like they have to be able to work in an easy way. You know, you can't make things harder for them in order to get the job done. You gotta, you know, build a program that is flexible that's you know meant for your organization you know a lot of these regulations that they put in place make things super hard and that's not good and resiliency and redundancy is not gonna meet you know it's not gonna work in your organization so you have to kind of find a balance point between what do i have to do what do we need to do and what do we want to do and between taking all of them, you ultimately should be able to achieve your goal. And it sounds easy as I'm saying it, right? But it's not, you know, it takes years to get this maturity model in place. But ultimately, you got to find that middle point.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice, right? Is it's like finding that balance for, for each organization. So huge thank you, John Guckian for coming on today and talking with us all things EDR, DLP, XDR, MDR, all the acronyms. So thank you very much. That's going to take us out for this week and we will see everybody next week.
2: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.